It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, Tyvis Powell, Jason Lloyd. Plus, you're loving him, Mikey McNuggets. And so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show starts now. Booyah! At all? Hey, here we are. Hey, Anthony on, on set with us. Today. Anthony making an appearance on the show today. Never yeah, takes his hat off, Anthony. Never. Hmm? Oh, he's got that ski cap. Hey! just got a haircut. And he, he got to cut too. Off your hair. And he got to cut too. He was like, shut up. Leave me alone. There it is. <laughs> Welcome to the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Coaching moves afoot. We've got all kinds of conversation based on the coaches that are going, the coaches that may be uh, heading to the Browns. A lot to get into there uh, on the guest list today. Aditi's going to join us. That's always fun when she's here. She's going to give us her insights on why the coaching changes were made. Um, it's interesting. There's a lot going on uh, with the whole thing. I'm confused. Lots to talk and, about. And a lot of, I will say this. I'll start yeah. with this. Uh, Jim Donovan presented a very interesting theory to me yesterday um, that it's going to be interesting to see who ends up as the OC, and it, will, it might be indicative as to who has more power in the organization. If it's, if it's a guy with Stefanski ties – then he wins the battle. If it's a guy with uh, Andrew Barry's ties, then he wins the battle. And perhaps it's... But why does it have to be a battle? Haslam. Well... I mean, why aren't they on the same side? That's Jimmy's language, not mine. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Jimmy said, you know, there's, a, there's always a power struggle in every organization. Look, when a key position like this comes open, everybody has their guy in mind. Mm-hmm. Whose guy gets the job? According to Jimmy, and I agree with this, you could say this for almost any organization, where there is a question as to who's ultimately at the top of the food chain so and calling the so biggest shot. it's not shot. really we hate each other, but no, I think my a, choice is better than your choice. Exactly. Now, I, yeah. I've always been of the mindset that the head coach should pick the coaches. Without a doubt. They're the guys that are working clo- most closely together. Yes. And I've always thought it was a meddlesome franchise that – has someone else in the organization telling the coach who his assistants are no going sense. to be. And it you, never made sense you, to me. You know, to me, this guys, this is going to be a, a funny offseason because I get the feeling that now, you know, we were really excited about what they did with the meager parts and, and pieces they had. It looks like they may not be so excited about should that be. season. Which is, which, is, which is like... You know why they're not? What they did is not repeatable. That's right. So yeah. if you're... Kansas City, and you win the Super Bowl, or you make it to the AFC Championship game, and all of your key pieces are coming back, you stay put. Yeah. Because what they do year in and year out is repeatable. What Buffalo does year in and year out is repeatable. Of all of the blueprints to the playoffs, the Browns have the most unrepeatable blueprint of the 14 teams. You mentioned Buffalo. Buffalo struggled the first part of the year. They did. They had to get hot. 
But they changed their offensive coordinator. They, they had they, a 5% chance to make the playoffs in like week 11 or 12. Pittsburgh as well. Yeah. Single-digit opportunity to make the playoffs. But you got the quarterback, and when you did get hot, they're like, so you mean to tell me they didn't play well all year, but they still got the two seed? Right. They yeah. still go to – so it changes your whole mindset on what you got because you're yeah. like, well, I, I don't know if that's – we can't do this As again. poorly as they played, think of this, they will likely host Kansas City. Yeah. And, right, crazy. You yeah, know, right there, hosting Kansas City. So, before we get to this read, I know Mike's got to do a read. Before we go deeper down the subject, I got to do a quick shout out. And you guys are going to remember the first part of this. Remember last year, this story, Anthony, you got it. Are we oh yeah. Oh, one of the best yeah, stories. Yeah, yeah. Tag, tag that? once I, again lets us down at the biggest moments. One of the oh, best stories. One of the best. Well, you guys remember there was the, yes. the guys cheated. I didn't remember that that had been a local tournament. Yeah, it was a it was Lake Erie tournament. So, I was recently uh, getting my hair cut, my beard cleaned up a little. By the bit. way, good, nice, tight. Thank you. Look, good thank look. you. Good look. And so the woman who's been cutting my hair, G knows her. Anthony mm-hmm. knows her because we did an episode of the barbershop, or G did an episode of the barbershop there that we were on. And Jen is the name of the woman that cuts my hair. She's yeah. been cutting my hair almost since I moved to Cleveland. Wow. I found her probably a year after I, I moved here. She's awesome. She had been working in another place, and she opened her own place, so I went with her. Anyway, her boyfriend was the winner this year. He and his partner. Oh, oh, wow. And unlike That's those crazy. guys, they didn't they did cheat. Yeah. There they are. Hey, I, there I, we go. That's I, what a couple how, of winners look like. That's crazy how they came they're, full circle. I, yeah, their names are Dave Ward. That's her boyfriend. And R- Ryan Smith are the, are the two guys. Congrats to them. Yeah, Dave is on the left, now, Ryan on the right. They won two fishing boats. No kid, they yeah. each get their what? own fishing boat. Now, I think they're going to probably sell them because the boats are really expensive and they may not be able to pay the taxes. Oh, the that would be a shame, really. Things. But uh, it's all about the accomplishment. They, it's, it's, remember, those. it's about the, the heaviest walleye, the person that catches yeah, the heaviest the walleye. the biggest walleye. And those guys weight. last year put weights in them. They did. And the rest of the fishermen were ready to kill those guys. Well, Bad job, buddy. Yeah, so, well, well, you can't say it's all, it's all about the spirit. It's all about them boats. Well, it is. <laughs> Get the out here. I, I don't know that, you know, I, I know his girlfriend. I don't know him. But uh, so I don't, in the end, maybe they will keep them. But even if they sell them, they're going to get uh, they, a good pile of cash. I, what they should do is the, the host of the tournament should pay offer. The taxes. Or just yeah. do it this way. You get the boat and we're going to pay you $3,500 in cash so you can pay the taxes. Right, right, right. Or, you know, my Jay Harris from SportsCenter. Yeah, sure. Uh, very good friend of mine. I was actually supposed to be playing in this tournament with him. I had to back out at the last minute. He hit a hole-in-one on a hole-in-one tournament hole in Las Vegas and won a new car. Oh, wow. And I'm pretty sure they gave him the option of, I think it was a Cadillac, the new car or the cash equivalent. Right. So you wouldn't be stuck with the tax bill, and maybe you don't want that. Maybe you don't need that new car. Yeah. But anyhow, I thought that was interesting. And sort of to put a bow on this story, which has a great ending, especially because you kind of have a tie to them. Yes. When society permits cheating, you promote cheating. That's right. We talked about that That's earlier right. this week. Yep. Michigan's going to get the old hand slap. Why would anybody play by the rules Astros in the future? Astros got a hand slap. Astros got a hand slap. Hell with the rules. We're going to ask for yeah. forgiveness. This tournament, and I was so proud of the way they handled it, not just the tournament, but law enforcement, because it, it ended up being a case of theft. Yes. They ended up prosecuting these guys it was very public because this was an international story yeah so everybody in the fishing community was told loudly and clearly 
if you put ball bearings in your trophy fish, goodbye. You will be caught and you will be prosecuted. That's right. Those guys got jail time. Yeah, apparently, apparently, I don't know if we knew this at the time. This is what Jen told me, so I don't know if we knew this beforehand. She said that the reason there was such a high level of anger towards these guys is they had won some other tournaments before. A lot that. of other tournaments. Okay, I didn't I didn't yeah, rem- they, either I didn't know that or I didn't remember that. You can hear in the yeah. background of the video when yeah. they gutted the fish and the ball bearings spilled out. Yeah. You could hear a chorus of fishermen in the background saying, "That's right. We knew you guys have been cheating. Yeah, that's we right. Now it. that you say it, I remember that. And, yes. and uh, well, good for your your sort of buddies. <laughs> yeah. your, your, well, your, good for them. Congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. We love that it was fair they and did square. Did it legit? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should start a GoFundMe to raise the taxes to pay the tax bill on the boats. So they get to keep the boats. I, they should. I'll ask my friend, and I'll I bring it up again. I would contribute to that. Tax All right, fund. I'll ask her. I'll ask her if, to ask him if he wants to, if he would like to do that. We can do that. That'd be fine. I think that would be yeah. the right thing to do. By the way, uh, just go back and look. Uh, you know, Terrell Pryor got uh, he got suspended for uh, tattoos and uh, gold pants. <laughs> but not just Terrell Pryor. Jim Tressel. Jim Tressel, Jim Tressel lost, his lost his job. The university wore the scarlet letter. I, I literally. Would, I would be livid if I was Ohio State. Well, they, the NCAA has has <laughs> recently made a comment that Michigan won this fair and square, and we think this is a settled issue. Oh, oh my goodness. The last thing they want, obviously, is yeah. a tarnished championship. Oh, of course. At a time when the NCAA is fighting for its very existence. Yeah, there it is. Jim Tressel lost his job, yeah, yeah. over something and, very And Michigan, minor. who got caught red-handed, the evidence yeah. is there. Their coach was suspended. They win the championship. Nothing to see here. We're Nothing good. Jim Tressel did had anything to do with games. Nothing. Or an advantage. No. What Michigan did, <laughs> did definitely led to an advantage yeah, on the grass. That's true. All right, McNuggets, good morning to you. What's up, guys? We have a packed show. We'll talk coaching searches, coaching staffs. We're going to talk a little Cavs. We'll talk to Aditi. We'll talk where the Browns rank in the AFC moving forward. But we'll start with the coaches. But as always, before we start our first topic of the day, a quick word from our dear friends over at FanDuel. The NFL regular season has wrapped up, but there's still time to get it on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed just by placing a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose for brand new customers. And the best part about FanDuel is the app is so easy to navigate and there are so many different ways to bet, including live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explorer tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best and easiest way to find popular parlays and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com UCSS to make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL, an official partner of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. And as always, if you guys have a winning FanDuel ticket, make sure you guys send it to us to be featured on the show. Tweet it at the show. Tweet it at me. Email us. But make sure you guys are sending us those winning FanDuel tickets. Tyvis! Didn't hit yesterday. Listen, Tyvis. You're wrong, huh? I jumped on your joint. I jumped on the party train. Pause. (laughs) Super. (laughs) (laughs) Super. Uh, yeah, Giannis didn't play, so yeah. I didn't know what voided means, right? I didn't know what voided means. So, like, Giannis didn't play, so they I get this, this notification. Doesn't count. Don't count. Just well, just that leg of the parlay, you yeah. can still keep the bet alive. Yeah, yeah, I, it just bet, changes the odds. Bet was still alive. Giannis was out. Um, Damian Lillard over two and a half, three-pointers. Laid an egg. The, the Bucks didn't show up yesterday. No. I was so mad. Jared Allen did his part. Ten rebounds. Donovan Mitchell, six assists plus. He did his part. Damian Lillard, once again, six assists you needed to get. You got five. 
Uh, Brooke Lopez did not hit his two plus threes and Damian Lillard only had one three point shot and your boy G Bush. If I would have won, I would have got like 600 bucks. Mm. Um, however, uh, we, didn't, we didn't do anything. Mm. Uh, so, Tyvis, your 10-leg parlay yeah. turned into a, a, a Minimoski move. But today's a new day, so send your parlay winnings right. to Mike. Let's go. Yeah, there's, gonna, there's winners every day. I, no winning ticket today? No winning ticket today, but I hope there will be plenty flooding in our inboxes over the next few days. But let's mm. talk a little Browns so. coaching staff, guys. AVP out. The offensive coordinator search has begun. The Browns actually interviewed their first candidate to replace AVP. Today, Steve, you take tag board full, but it's Andy Dickerson, the Seahawks' current offensive line coach and their run game coordinator. We'll get into the our choices for candidates first, but guys, he used to coach in Cleveland under the Mangini staff and back in 2009. Are you guys familiar with Andy Dickerson at all and what he may potentially bring to the table as the offensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns? I, w- I was not. I, I asked, never heard of him before that tweet. I, I asked around. Yeah. Um, good reputation. Uh, you know, a lot of the things that were said about uh, Stephen Vogt, you know, the, right, the sure. Guardians' new manager. Yeah. Good dude, uh, competent, players like him. Uh, other than that, I did get a couple of responses from folks that have been covering the league for a long time and said, you know, I've never really had much dealings with him, couldn't, couldn't tell you. So I, I wasn't able to find out much about his philosophy, his style, or any of that. Right. Know, we'll see what that leads no to. No disrespect, man. I, listen, I know y'all got to interview certain <laughs> specific candidates in the beginning, and I know you just warm your way up to it. But, but the Browns have to get an offensive mind in here, man. If you're going to make the move for Van Pelt to get out of here, we don't need two offensive line coaches. Like, I've been around offensive Like, look, Bill Callahan has been a, a head coach in, this, in, in, in college football. He's been a head coach in, 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 uh, in, in the pros as well. If you're going to make the move, make the move to upgrade and shake things up a little bit. Yeah. I, I need an offensive-minded guy. I don't know. I don't know what they're going for Can here. Can I ask a question? Do we know for sure that Dickerson was in to interview for the OC job? Do he we was know in that? To, yes. That was confirmed to interview for the OC job. Now, there is Now, wait, can I ask who reported that and who confirmed it? Mary Kay confirmed it. Uh, Jones from – he came on the show. Uh, Jermaine Jones, NBC Sports. Oh, okay. The Uh, reason uh, I ask is – Reputable source. It's possible we lose Bill Callahan. Well, that's where I was getting to next. Yeah, we're going to get to that. My my train of thought on this is if – and there is a chance that they lose Bill. Yeah. If if Bill is gone, well, then I think – you know, from what little I know of this guy, I think he fits the suit. You ever been sure. in an interview that, that, that that's a little bit above your steez? Yeah. Just, you don't got the experience yet, but they say, listen, we like you, you interview well. We have this other position for you. Exactly. And I, I'm wondering if that's what's going on. They here. have to be proactive about the possibility. I know, we, you know, the reason you say it is because Brian Callahan, who's the Bengals OC, yes. has been interviewed for or will be by the end of this week for four different head coaching job four yeah and if he gets one the obviously the, the first call he's gonna make is go, hey dad can you yeah. come join me as my offense now we don't line know game? maybe maybe he you know wants to do it on his own we have no idea we don't possible we're, we're just connecting dots but you you would have to think that yeah. it would always be a dream to right. father son to work together we saw lane and monty kiffin yep um always talk about belichick you know, belichick works with his son i wouldn't be you got to be prepared away. for yeah it. i mean how, that's certainly i it. don't understand how lane kiffin had <laughs> His dad is Monty. They could not be two completely Listen, different Listen, I people. covered Monty. Never really f- covered Lane as a head coach, but obviously was in the sphere when he was a head coach. And I agree 100%. Monty was high energy, yeah. gregacious. Everybody loved him. Funny, 
Um, I, I just I was always shocked when I found out Lane was his son. I'm like, really? Like he's Lane is in that Josh McDaniels like that no personality. They just they're very ornery. There's kind of uh, they want it their way like 99% of the time. And they're not really people persons like but no. it's weird a little bit. Yeah, I know. Right. It's interesting. I mean mm-hmm. maybe he took on his mom's personality. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Well, I no, I just guys. think that's what's going on here. Could be wrong. I think a lot of people if he's hired as the OC would be really shocked. Yeah, I would yeah. be. Yeah. Um I I doesn't mean it's a bad choice. Doesn't mean it's a bad I choice and doesn't mean he's not a great candidate, yeah. but because as a as a fan, you want your team to hire people that you know. Right, You sure. want your team to hire people like Jim Schwartz, who was going to be sought after by other teams right. if you didn't hire sure, him. Sure, So it, This th- offseason is going to be the most – this is the biggest question mark I've ever seen like, for the Browns. Like, I don't – just because, you, because you, you got to the playoffs with a bunch of these guys and now you're mixing it up a little bit, it's almost like you don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> like, I don't know it, what they're going to do. It is me. possible that they promote Bill Callahan or promote their their wide receiver coach, Chad, Chad O'Shea. O'Shea. I mentioned in our chat right. group yesterday that when I was looking for my OC candidates, I f- had forgotten that Chad O'Shea, in addition to being the wide receiver coach, is also the passing game coordinator, right. which right. also made me feel a little better about what we were talking about yesterday is, Oh, does this mean they're going away from what they did? Well, their passing game coordinator is not leaving. If right. I was out so there, now that you say that, I'd be, yeah. I'd be pissed. We're going to talk about the two guys that we think would be yeah. logical choices, and then we're going to have fun with a, kind of a cartoonish, like, who do we not want in here? But before yeah. we do that, I also had an interesting conversation with Jimmy yesterday in which I asked him uh, pretty pointedly, is there a possibility that the new offensive coordinator takes over play calling duties? And Jimmy did not dismiss that. He mm-hmm. said, we'll see. We haven't heard that yet, mm-hmm. but we'll see. And that's interesting to me because it, in, after last season, a lot of folks wanted to change the play calling responsibilities, whether it was to AVP or a new OC or somebody. Yeah. They wanted to see what the offense looked like with someone else calling the plays. Now that... All of that fervor died down this year because the play calling for the overly dramatic most part was very, very good. There were there were fewer instances this year where we were saying things like, why did you bring in your backup to throw that ball when you had your throwing quarterback in the game? That didn't make much sense. Well, you're trying to fool the opposition. But so I just thought it was interesting and noteworthy that Jimmy said, we don't know. Yeah. We, we don't know. So I, it, it tells me that he hasn't been told that Stefanski will definitively maintain or retain play calling. And that could lead to, you know, obviously some different candidates. Well, Jimmy, it's a, I'm know. glad you said that because yeah. Jimmy said it's really difficult. It's going to be difficult for AVP to get another job. Not difficult, but more difficult than it otherwise would be. Because he, they're going to say, yeah, but you weren't calling the plays. But again, and yeah. how are you going to get a good OC right. in here and tell him you're going to wear the hat right. and this message is you're going to take the ball, but Facts. you're not going to call the plays. And and you got another dude that's the passing game coordinator. So you weren't even over the passing game. At least if I'm not going to call the plays, at least give me the diagram and X's and O's. Maybe they will do that. We shall see. Now, again, Brian Callahan wasn't calling plays in Cincinnati, and he's getting interviewed. I don't know if he's going to get a job, but he is getting interviewed. So it's not, uh, you know, just because you're not calling plays doesn't mean 
you're not going to get a job. I mean, right. he just said it's going to be more difficult. Was Mike, I don't think Mike McDaniels was calling plays in San Francisco. I, he I was not. No, Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan if, was, but yeah. he was part of that if, if you're blossoming a, tree. If you're a lead on the radio. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And, oh, it's easier for you to get another job in a bigger market other if you're just secondary guy. Because right. the thought process is, there's a little more than it's entailed. You're the sidekick, not the... And I think Jimmy's comment was dead on. It's, yeah. He didn't say it's going to be impossible for him to get yeah. it. Right. It's harder. He said it's sure. going to be more difficult because teams are going to say, but you weren't calling the plays. Yeah. And he also pointed out immediately afterwards, it's going to be difficult to get a high-quality offensive coordinator in here. For instance... My number one choice is currently an offensive coordinator. It would be a lateral move for him. Right. He's my number one choice because of some logical connections that he has to someone in the organization. Mm -hmm. But it would also be a very difficult sell to bring him here to be the OC and not call the plays because sure. he is currently calling the plays where right. he is. That fact, and we'll get to that yeah. in a second. Yeah, yeah. But who's your Do you want to start? Who's your sure. choices? Sure. I, I did my six-page Baker Mayfield presentation <laughs> the other day. This is just a half a page, just with a couple of notes. Uh, my number one choice is Clint Kubiak. Okay. Clint Kubiak, of Makes course, sense. the son of Gary Kubiak. So he's part of that family tree, which Kevin Stefanski is. Clint Kubiak worked under Kevin Stefanski in 2013, 2014, and again in 2019. Kubiak had left, and then he came back. Uh, he went to Denver. In 2019, that was the year Kevin Stefanski, of course, was the his one year as OC in Minnesota, and Clint Kubiak was his quarterback coach. Right. So obviously, there's a lot of family connections between the two. What's he doing right now? He is currently the passing game coordinator for the 49ers. I, you know, again... Their passing game looks pretty good. It does. For him, it's a promotion, even if he's not calling plays. It is. You're right. I factored that in. How much of that is in in San Francisco would you credit to Kyle Shanahan, or do we credit him? Right. I'm going to credit Kyle Shanahan. I mean, I don't know the dynamic behind the scenes, but he's obviously a part of it. So it seems like he's a sharp guy. He's from football family. Connection to Stefanski. He's a young guy. And it's a promotion for him, even though he's not calling plays. Right. So that's the way I looked at it. That was that's why he was my first choice. My second choice, I went kind of the other end of the spectrum. A guy that also worked with Stefanski, but he was above Stefanski as opposed to Clint Kubiak, who was below Stefanski. This guy's a veteran coach, and that's Daryl Bevel. Mm-hmm. Daryl Bevel's been the offensive coordinator. He was the offensive coordinator for Seattle from 2011 to 2017. In fact, I texted uh, Tyvis about it. And Tyvis said that he loved Daryl Bevel, that he was great, that I won't tell you the reason. I won't say what Tyvis said, why he got ran out of uh, Seattle eventually, but uh, he said it wasn't his fault. And then he went and was the OC for the Lions. The last couple, But the last couple of years, he hasn't been an offensive coordinator. But what was he doing? The last two years, he's been the quarterback coach for Tua. Now, they've faltered in the playoffs, but Tua, before Daryl Bevel and Mike McCarthy... Uh, not Mike McCarthy, Mike McDaniel, looked terrible. 
Tua with him has looked great. And Daryl Bevel hasn't been an offensive coordinator for, I, I, for three years. Just a quick correction. Yeah. Um, Daryl Bevel is currently, and I know this because he's my number one choice. Yeah. He is the OC in Detroit this year. No, that's Ben Johnson. I thought it was Daryl Bevel. Yeah, no, Ben, no, ben Johnson Johnson's is in Detroit. Where is Daryl Bevel? Daryl Bevel is Miami. in Miami? Yeah. Okay, I thought for some reason Daryl Bevel was in Detroit. No, not? Ben no. Johnson ben, is ben the Johnson's guy. When the was Daryl Bevel in Detroit? Pull 19 back. and 20. Uh, he was 19 and okay, 20. Okay, my bad. My, my right. bad. I stand yeah, corrected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, he, he's, he's been the quarterback coach and the passing coordinator for the last two years for Miami. What does Miami do? They run a lot of pre-snap motion something that could help the Browns because they don't run any pre-snap motion. Uh, and they were very good at that. Plus, he's been an interim head coach when coaches have been fired twice. So he has high-level coaching experience. Didn't didn't do overly well in those no, but, stints. But no, no. He didn't do well To your point. I'm just saying he has that experience of which being is, the head man, right. which I think is good. Yeah. And he worked with Stefanski. Like I said, he worked above Stefanski. He was the offensive coordinator in Minnesota from 06 to 2010, Stefanski was a, a fledgling assistant 06 to 08, but Stefanski was the assistant quarterback coach in Minnesota in 9 and 10, Bevel's last two years as OC in Minnesota. Right. So obviously Bevel have, was his boss. Right. So you got Kubiak who was worked <coughs> under Stefanski, Bevel who worked above Stefanski. Both have the connections. Both have been with successful teams recently. But bo- for both guys, it would be a promotion to offensive coordinator. I factored that in that any current offensive coordinators wouldn't want to switch because they, they wouldn't want to lose play calling or right. take a lateral job if they're already not calling plays. Uh, so those G, are my who, guys. Who do you have? Uh, first of all, let's, let's, let's show some respect to the bookie himself. That like He, he, he definitely looks the part. He has it, and he tucked it down in his right. front pocket. In the shirt. In, in the, the shirt. shirt. It was a professional loss. Yeah, it was definitely sure. like, yeah, I've been, I was talking to people. I know some wise guys <laughs> on the south side. They got me together. He you knows I definitely. like that bull. Uh, listen, I, first and foremost, the big time move is, is if you bring Eric Bieniemy in. Now, here's a problem: Eric Bieniemy uh, has known to be a little ornery. He's what? been known. He's been known to be a little. Um, how should I say? Uh, Tasty. Yes, he, he don't play no games. And I don't know how that personality matches with Kevin Stefanski. Right. Stefanski is a laissez-faire, hey, you know, guys, we're just going to execute and do our thing. Eric Bieniemy is more of a taskmaster. But when I look at it, though, I think he got something in his back pocket, though. I think he got some plays. I think he got a lot of stuff that you could work with with Deshaun Watson. And I think there's a lot of stuff that he could bring to the table that would, would open this thing all the way up. I mean, hey, Sam Howell threw a lot of interceptions, but he was throwing for a lot of yards too. I just don't know how Kevin Stefanski handles a guy with that that personality hanging out behind him with no extension on the table. Right. I don't know about which, that. Which is the way things stand today. I, yeah. I'm, I'm shocked that we didn't hear about an extension Tuesday for Stefanski. Yeah. I'm going to be con- – I'll continue to be shocked if we don't hear one – in the coming days, it it raises eyebrows. Yeah, like like a little bit because you just don't let a head coach go into the last year yeah. of his contract. I guess it's possible they want to work out, make sure they they're on top of these assistant coach hirings. Maybe, and then they can handle that after because there's no nothing as time. Are you are you surprised though that we haven't heard about an extension? Uh, I'm trying to remember when extensions normally come. Do well, they normally come right after this? I don't know. I don't usually right after. I mean, yeah, but even I, if they don't, you'd think that the organization would at least address it and say, look, yeah. Stefanski's our guy. We're right. going to get this done. I, I'll be, su- 
I guess if it doesn't happen by, you know, the Super Bowl or around that point, then I'll be really okay. Surprised. Don't count, right. don't count toward the cap. I yeah, mean, they could do it at any time, you sure. know. Um, but this is really my, my only the Go only ahead. thing I would say about the enemy. The reason I didn't even consider him is because he was calling plays in Washington. He was. And so if I'm him, I don't want to go somewhere again where I'm not calling plays. I did this exercise assuming that Stefanski giving up play calling. Okay. Could be on the table. Okay. Now, I'm That's not, fair. I'm not 100 that would change. That would certainly change. Right. It. G, yeah. G, can I throw one counter to the enemy real quick? Yeah, sure. I love you and Jay, but if you think they didn't run the ball enough now, and you add Nick Chubb back to the equation, nobody runs the ball less than Eric Bieniemy in the history of play calling. So just be ready. If that's who you want, we can't hear the they got to run the ball more because that's not in Eric Bieniemy's Oh, no, play listen, sheet. listen, if Nick, listen, if Nick Chubb come back and he Nick Chubb, Eric Bieniemy is no different. He and will, he also, will on, the, on the thought that he wouldn't want to leave Washington for Cleveland, he's dangling in Washington. Yeah, and well, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm saying like, He's going to be looking to get a job with play calling duties. He might not get it. Do you think? See that? I, I wish we could go back and find that yeah. tape. When I say that's the dumbest move you've ever made in your life, was going, going to Washington. Washington. Yeah. I, it, it happened just the way I said it. You, now you're looking around, and you you might not be a coordinator. And here's the problem: the luster of the, and I know that the Kansas City offense took a step back in his absence. Yes. So he's got that in his in his tool bag for arguments. Yes. He can say, look. They had the, pretty much the same offense they won the Super Bowl with last year. What happened? Because we've asked, well, what's different? The, the receivers are still mid. But, but also, working against him is exactly what we said on the day he took the lateral move. Man. It was a, I'm betting on myself move, and the thought was, he's not going to have the pieces in Washington no quarterback. to do there what he did in Kansas City. And if his offense doesn't look as explosive and as dynamic as Kansas City's, the luster of Andy Reid is going to wash off of yep. Eric Bieniemy, yep. and I think in part some yeah. of that has. It'll be interesting to see what ends up. I'm just, I just, if there was a guy that was calling plays, and again, you're right. Like, I don't know that he's lost his job in Washington yet. But uh, he might. There are reports that he most. Obviously, a new head coach is going to want their own guys. And the, and the new head coach is most likely going to want their guy. Right. So right. his future is very much and, up But he's going to want to call plays. Now, he may end up in a situation where he can't get a job calling plays. Right. He's not even reportedly getting an interview. Think about it. They For got, the head coaching job. Right. 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 No, so, if he so stays in Washington, it will be as the OC. So that means, like, right. yo, that your ultimate goal is right there. They didn't even bring you in for an interview. Yeah. That's, that's all bad. Now, See, who's your about, second the, candidate? What'd you say? Who's your second candidate? Oh, the, the best. This is the best candidate yeah. for me. Listen, this this Zach Robinson guy. Um, you know, he was a uh, matter of fact. The Saints requested the interview for Rams quarter. He's the quarterback coach for the Rams, and he's a passing game coordinator. Now, um, he was yeah. a sure. where we at? He's thirty seven. Former quarterback. Played for the Bengals from two thousand eleven to two thousand thirteen. He had a couple stints with the Patriots, Seahawks, Lions. Um, he began his coaching career with the Rams assistant quarterback coach in 2019, um, was their assistant receivers coach, but uh, he was promoted to uh, the quarterbacks in 2022. He did call some plays. Like, he called one game they, they publicized. They, they made it known that he was going to call the plays for that game. Um, I like it because of two reasons. One, the he that high tech offense they give him right here moving around all that motion and good stuff. That's exactly what the Browns lack. The Rams destroyed the Browns on easy touches, easy targets. Two, they know how to get quarterbacks involved. 
They need to know how to get receivers involved. They had Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup was gone. The 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 the, the mastermind shows me what happens when you got to do it twice. Yeah, Cooper Cup was good, but that could have just been Cooper Cup. When they got Puka Nakua and it was just him, right? Got you. Then they got Kyron Williams and he was rolling. I said, okay, they got something down there. Now, if you could get him, and and and, and the thing I love is what love as well. McVeigh even has. He has so many playbooks. He has the old school golf and, uh, um, playbook where everything looked the same. Like they would just run the same play and it would be like, oh, nope, Robert Woods is going to get it. Nope, Cooper Cup is going to get it. Nope, we're going to hand it outside zone. They got a bunch of different plays. I like the creativity. I think if you bring this young guy in, that's a, that's a nice move. But you probably have to offer him play calling. Right. McNuggets likes him as his first choice. Why? Yeah, gee, he was actually my first choice. I was saying before the show to bowl. The Browns finished this season ranked 31st in the NFL right. in motion before the snap. The Rams finished second. So we're going from top of the league to bottom of the league. And Who I is think first, Miami? Miami, yes. Yep. So I, and, and that's where Daryl Bevel comes in, who's my second choice. Right. So I'm looking to bring someone in who compliments the fancy skill set. McVay runs a West Coast offense with a ton of play action under center as well. So when mm-hmm. you look at what Zach Robinson brings to the table, it's kind of an extension of the same offensive philosophy at least with some new gadgets that he doesn't currently have in the playbook. Yeah. And you add just, those elements into it, which hopefully Zach Robinson can bring we over. We call that the stimulus package. Yeah. That's a stimulus. <laughs> That's 1300 with one kid, 2600 with two kids. <laughs> but I like, I like him a lot. I think, I, think Robinson, <laughs> I think Robinson's a good choice, too. He would have been my third choice if, if we went three on the list. So the way I did it was I, I went one and two, the guys who I thought were going to get it, not the guys who I want. Um, I like Robinson because of his pedigree. Worked under Belichick, worked under Pete Carroll, but That's most nice. importantly, in his biggest role, he's worked under McVay. Yeah. And I think that McVay is one of the most innovative passing game minds in the NFL right now. I don't think that's a stretch. Zach Robinson is tied to him. So if I had my, my choice in a vacuum and, and could select anybody, and I do think this guy's going to get a job, a better job than he has now. I don't think he's going to get a head job yet. Pause. Uh, but I, I, I think he's going to he's going to get a better job. Okay, he's going to get a better job. I think. Um, and by that I mean an offensive coordinator somewhere. Or maybe it's here. Uh, the names that I gave you, um, I think that I, I, even though I totally brain farted that uh, Daryl Bevel is not in Detroit anymore. The, immediately, what I thought of was I knew that Bevel was at one point. Kevin Stefanski's boss. Yeah. And I checked around with a couple of people yesterday that I, here was the question. Bevel Stefanski close, close to the point where someone told me that Stefanski recently, and I don't know that they didn't say this year, but since he being here would run game plans by Daryl Bevel. Mm. What do you think of this? which isn't uncommon. A lot of friends that work together will, especially because maybe Bevel played this opponent earlier in the year, also has a good grasp on what that team does defensively. So it's not completely out of the realm of normal. I think people, good friends. It happens a lot. All the time. Um, Parcells and Belichick used to talk. Uh, Even though their relationship was a little crazy, there were times where they would talk about game plans. And it's just, it's not uncommon. So the fact that Stefanski 
what that tells me about Stefanski and the way he views Daryl Bevel is he has a great respect for him. Sure. A great respect for him. And when I asked, you know, are they, are they close? Are they tight? I didn't get anybody that said, no, they were just, you know, tangentially tied. I, I've been told that they have a good relationship. They're close. And that, again, Bevel sometimes has helped with, with game plans, or at least, you know, they've had conversations about that kind of thing. So uh, that would be my, my number one guess. Again, not my number one pick. My number one pick would be Robinson. Robinson, by the way, interviewing for the Bears offensive coordinator job today. That just was reported by Alex. Yeah, he's going to be an OC. It's just going to be where. I think, you know, he's proven enough with the Rams as their quarterback's coach that he's ready to be an OC. Uh, again, not my choice, but if you're reading between the lines here, you have to have Eric Bieniemy in there as if I'm setting odds on who it's going to be. First, it's Daryl Bevel. Then it's this guy, Eric Bieniemy. Why? Uh, it was widely reported that just before asking the Houston Texans for a trade, Eric Bieniemy advocated for the Texans interviewing Eric Bieniemy for their head coaching job. They you went another way. Watson. Yeah, Deshaun Watson. Who did I say? Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, Deshaun Watson had told the Texans, Brass, I want this guy. I want you to talk to this guy. I want to work with this guy. When they didn't even interview him, and by the way, the move that they made was, you know, was laughably bad it did not work at all um so uh, maybe in that regard Deshaun Watson was right but Deshaun Watson once upon a time wanted this guy to be his play caller and it didn't happen in Houston and that's why I think as we look at this from the outside I think if they go with the enemy I think we're gonna have our answer to whose voice is the loudest right now in the Browns organization and it would probably be Deshaun Watson. I think that would, you know what, it would, to me, I would look at it from Stefanski. I would say, look, I would almost just do it just for the simple fact that I know that if Stefanski does not get an, an extension here, right, he can ride that out and say, they didn't fire me. They just didn't give me no extension. Right. I tried everything I could. You know what? I, we got Deshaun Watson. I went and got another coordinator. I, I, you know, I'm a team guy. I did what was best for the organization. We thought we'd bring Eric Bieniemy in, work with Deshaun. Didn't work out. I, I think Stefanski would be one of the rare coaches that is let go that gets a, a an immediate like interview with three other teams. One of the rare Browns. Why does yeah. a guy who just won 11 games with a team that had no business winning 11 games? have to do something that he doesn't want to do. That doesn't well, make much sense to me. That's the question. I, I'm it, not it saying he doesn't no want to hire the enemy, but I'm just saying in general, why? That does, that's crazy. It makes no, it's not like he was. We shouldn't be reacting know, to this as if he had a, dis- the season ended in a disappointing way. Every team that loses in the first round of the playoffs is disappointing. This Browns team, as they were constituted with the injuries, had no business winning 11 games. But no. the contradictory part is, if you fire your offensive coordinator yeah. and you're telling me that you had no business winning these games, then why is the offensive coordinator getting fired? Which is exactly why so I don't understand it. Because, I, listen, if Stefanski had to do with this decision, and I was reading, so I can't remember now who, who read it, but I was reading, or wrote it, but I, I was reading this morning, may have been Mary Kay, that was saying, hey, listen, it, that, that, may, that it seems to be a mutual part, parting of the ways between Stefanski and and uh, Alex Van Pelt. I think the other two coaches are separate. If that's the case, then okay. So it's not this, well, we have to make a huge move because it's a disaster. I just don't know if that's the case. I think we're, we're reading into that, maybe that's it. But you're always trying to get better. 
Um, now, if, again, if this is a move that the front office forced on him, well, that's a different story. And, then, and, and I tend to lean more that way. Well, if that's the case, then... It doesn't then, feel like a Stefanski then move. The, the, if, if that's the case, then the Browns just have to <laughs> overcome what some teams don't, which is a pain-in-the-ass meddling owner. Yeah. And that's I mean, unfortunate because Kevin Stefanski's done a really good job and shouldn't be forced <laughs> to make a move that he doesn't want to make. The, the, when you force coaches to do things they don't want to do... That's not going to work out in the long run. No, I and think. you also you hand them an excuse for failure. Right. Like yes. if if the head coach and th- I just don't understand the hierarchy here, but the head coach needs to pick guys on his staff that he's comfortable working with. Mm-hmm. If he's forced to work with someone that he doesn't have a relationship that he doesn't feel comfortable with, there's yeah. automatically right. adversarial it's, relationships It's not going to work out well. And I don't know why becomes, teams do this. And, and again, I don't know that Browns are doing that. Well, you know, one of the things that I think you have said continually, and I've, I know others that have been around the team say that one of the things Jimmy does is to pit A against B. Yes, he does. If you handcuff a head coach with an offensive coordinator that he does not want, that's a problem. you automatically tell the head coach, this is my guy. And the whole team knows it, too. And right? now you've got an adversarial relationship between two of the coaches that need to have the best symmetry All on the team. All we can do at this point is hope that's not the case. I, yeah, hope and pray. It. That's, that's it. it. Mike? So we gave our candidates. I also asked you guys to give us our worst candidates. And, Bull, your answer aligns with the Super Chat. I want to just throw it in here because it's timely of the conversation. But Dan Blakely says, if we want old Deshaun Watson, we need Bill O'Brien. Naming anyone oh. outside of Bill O'Brien – is only hopeful speculation. Bill O'Brien has proof. No assumptions needed. But oh, no. when I asked you guys who you thought would be the worst possible candidate, well, you said anyone from the Bill Belichick tree. Which Including in Bill O'Brien. Would include yeah, Bill that O'Brien. That apparently so was Tony Grossi's answer because all these old guys, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. I don't want anybody from their Bill Belichick tree. They're all poisonous. They all suck. And I don't, I don't count uh, uh, Vrabel as part of the tree because he didn't coach under him. Uh, no, he under, played under him. He played under him, so he doesn't count – all those guys from Belichick's tree suck. They, they're not good as coordinators, only except when they're in New England. They're not good anywhere else. I don't want any of those guys here. Bill, o, I think Deshaun Watson played well in spite of Bill O'Brien. I, you know, I, maybe I'm wrong. We'll, we'll find out. But I want nothing to do with Bill O'Brien nor anybody else. Well, you know, you could get the answer to that. Just go to Deshaun and say, thumbs up, thumbs down. Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure he'd give a thumbs down. I don't know. I've but. never heard him say anything disparaging <clears throat> against him. Maybe he. Maybe they had a great relationship. And he, I don't know. I don't know where that where I, things stand there. I, I, I think he would. Uh, I think he would extend his rehab on his shoulder, all the way to the six games <laughs> until Bill O'Brien's contract <laughs> right. is out. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm still rehabbing, doing some soft tossing over here. Gee, you said uh, Hugh Jackson or Matt Nagy would Hugh be your Jackson. worst possible scenario. Why? Why one of those two? Bro, Matt Nagy. And who's? I was gonna throw a third person in there. Who's that dude uh, that used to quarterback? Was the quarterback coach or the offensive coordinator where Peyton Manning was in Denver? Um, oh, uh, and, and he, oh, he's now with the Jets. And then with Adam the, Gase. Adam Gase. Oh, Adam, yeah, oh the, God, yeah, yeah, Adam that guy. Gase, yeah, he's not yeah, with the Jets I, I could swap. I, Hugh Jackson was hilarious, but Adam Gase. Or Matt Nagy, Nagy. Y'all just like saying his name, by the way. That is not Charles Nagy's cousin, and he's not good either. <laughs> like, this is crazy. Like, no, Matt Nagy should not get jobs. Like, no, I, I don't want no, no parts of these guys. But by the way, Freddie Kitchens, Freddie Kitchens, can't say. 2,000-yard receivers the same year. True facts and a thousand yard back. That's I just true. I just don't think it would go over well. <laughs> no, no. By the way, they, they've made him just like, 
They they gave him position coaches that don't even have positions. They're like, yeah, you're the defense. You're the holder coach. You're the defensive tackle. You're coach. the extra point holder yeah, right. coach. <laughs> you're the left. You're the you're the gunners coach. Long snap coach. <laughs> That's crazy, bro. <laughs> you're the, the fifth motor. wide receiver coach. I will say, Freddie had his up. moments for he sure. Did. He had his moments. He had that oh. one game where he used to, uh, Hunt and Chubb in the backfield at the same time, and we, we loved it. it. Like crazy. and it was full house. By the way, he's his playbook. The last oh eight games of the season under Greg Williams. One of the most dynamic playbooks I've ever seen in my life. I, and that's the Freddie I remember and love. Oh Unfortunately, gosh. he undid all that when he became the head coach. <laughs> well, because it didn't look anything there's, like there's that ever again. There's plenty of off-the-field reasons for why yeah, it was such yeah, a disaster. Yeah, Freddie, it was yeah. a disaster, by the way. Shout out to Freddie. Man. And my worst-case pick would be Freddie Kitch. Uh, Matt Canada, because yeah. he really took yeah. Kenny Pickett to Poor the next Matt. level. We're talking Will about Matt the work other. Again? What do you say? Will no. Matt work again? Not a chance. So. Well, yeah, he'll work again. I mean, certainly not as an OC. I don't know if Kenny Pickett going to work again. That's fair. And we have some other Browns coaching news to talk about, but first, a quick word from Jace Medical. I know we come to sports as an escape from the real world and the crazy realities of the real life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for the unexpected? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right before the worst flu season in over a decade. Amoxicillin. Amoxicillin. This is scary, guys. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than... If my loved ones got sick and a supply chain issue kept them from life-saving medication they desperately needed, but thankfully we'll all be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a five-pack of different antibiotics that help treat a long list of bacterial illnesses and help us keep us safe. This stuff could happen to any of us at any time. You have to be prepared. So make sure you visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. So go to jacemedical.com and use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first offer. Very good. Drew Staley was in for an interview for the open running back position. The Browns <laughs> interviewed a defensive line coach from Tennessee while they haven't gotten rid of their current defensive line coach, Chad O'Shea and Bill Callahan, reportedly staying on for now at least. So, guys, with the other coaching moves that are going on in the Brown circle right now, which one stands out the most? Interviewing a defensive line coach when you still have one, bringing Deuce Staley in, where do you guys want to start? I mean, you know, we all know who Deuce Staley is. Sure. Um, is he better than Stump Mitchell? I mean, who knows? <laughs> I mean, Where's I'm, he I'm, been? I don't, was I'm Deuce the, in Philly? No. Uh, no, Deuce is, Deuce is a running backs coach, right? Where is he? Carolina. Yeah, Carolina. Um, if you were, if you loved Carolina's running game this year, then I think he's a great choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love Deuce Staley as a player. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have some information yeah. that I have not been able to corroborate, but um, if this information is true, so I won't give the reason why, but uh, I feel comfortable in my source in saying this, uh, the the reason for the change at running backs coach and Stump Mitchell being gone was not performance related. Okay, that's mm. what I'm told. Gotcha. So the reason had it was it was something else other than performance. His players love him. The running backs love Stump Mitchell. Yeah. And by all accounts, he's done a really good job. Now he's had a great running back, and this year he didn't. In the running game, looked very very subpar. Yeah. Without Nick Chubb. Um, so I don't think that this was a situation where they were saying we've got to make a change here because the performance is poor. There was another issue. Now, Jake, I asked real quick. Sure. Tony, Tony Grossi tweeted yesterday. Yeah, he was fired for being a media leak. Is that that's it? I did not okay. see. I did not see. Tony his Grossi report. put that out there. So that is that is what another reporter has told me. Which, by the way, 
if you're going to start firing people for leaks, and again, <laughs> you're going to, that's whack-a-mole. Well, because you got to fire everybody. <laughs> here's what I was told. Um, the news that got out was already told to and corroborated by four other people before anybody outside of the players corroborated it. So you, you've yeah. got leaks. You will always have leaks. Every team's got leaks. You're never going to get every, rid of them. Every, the, the, Bill Belichick, believe it or not, yeah, had leaks. The head coach has a, a guy or, or girl that he talks to. Mm-hmm. They all have one, at least one person in the media that's their person when they want to put stuff out there. Yeah, I didn't just see how Grossi's report. I didn't see that report from Grossi. Um, did he write yeah. that? He tweeted it. Okay, well, yeah, because uh, a person told me yesterday, and I'd asked a second person this, and they said, pretty sure that's it, but I'm still working to get that confirmed. So I didn't want to go. I didn't want to say anything about it, but as long as Grossi's reported it and it's out there, I have heard it from someone else that's very credible. So um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, guys. Brothers, 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 brothers. But that's that's disappointing if that's Mm, true. Here's what you got to do. Listen. Always assume that uh, the police are watching. We don't talk to police. We don't talk to law enforcement. We really don't talk to the FBI, Snitches. CIA. And here's the thing: unless they put that Bible there and put me under oath, I, I don't know, bro. Listen, the best way to do it is you don't. You you'd be surprised. They'd be like, "Gee, the first thing they ask me, you on UCSS? What is them guys really like? Is this, this, that, that? What's going on with this? What's the name? How much money they getting? Jeep?" I'd be like, look, bro, I don't even know. I, I come two minutes before the show. I just do my thing and go home. Like, no, I don't. You're not getting that from me. I don't know him like that. Like, just already know. This is crazy that he lost his job because he was leaking. But that was what happens when you, in a, you ain't on the top of the food chain. You can't leak if you're the running backs coach. If you're the passing game coordinator, you can get that off. You can't get that off if you're the running back coach. Nope. Yeah. What in general? I mean, I, I just I, feel like it's an overly meddlesome. I, I think the only reason I would fire somebody for something like that is if I felt their intentions were coming from a bad place. Sure, and maybe they maybe, maybe they felt maybe, that way. Maybe there's yeah. a history of this. Right. They've traced things to him. Yeah. And, they and told they've him. gone to him and said, "Stump, we can't have that." Now, if that was the case, and he was warned, and he did it again then you can understand it a little more. Right. However, this is what I'll say. I think the Browns and the way they handled all of this. They're sensitive. What? You didn't think it was going to get out? Like, I, I, they were it was they weird. were very yeah. angry at how this story got out. And I don't understand why. Right. These, that's are, wasted energy. They always put together a damn media release. It happened yeah. on Tuesday. Yeah. It wasn't for- broken until early Wednesday morning. Like, you had time to get in front of this story, and I'm told that the reason they're upset is because they obviously wanted to put their spin on the whole thing. Sure, you yeah. talk about people getting fired? They, they, yeah. He, he came out and was like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I confirmed that the, uh, yeah, the, these guys are on their way out. I don't know what he leaked. I don't know what he told and to whom he told it. I right. have no idea of that. Again, I was told right. by two people that one person definitively, this is why. The other person said... I'm very, very sure that that's why, yeah, but I'm Grossi not 100%. Grossi said he's heard it all day. Grossi's so. reporting it. He must have confirmed it yeah. probably from someone else. So my thing is, if 
Stop being concerned about the stuff that you don't need to be concerned about. The sto- You did it. Now you're mad that the media reported it. We were going to find out. You I think mean, that we were going to be six games into next season and say, hey, we're the hell stumped. <laughs> <laughs> do they not know the business? All this stuff gets broken before they're ready to do it. So, you know, it, the Browns are not unique here. Every team information gets out before maybe 1, the team wants to. Yeah. What, what the Browns do is they don't, they don't take advantage of their goodwill. Like, it's like three days after the season, right? You, you played your tail off. You lost. Everybody's ready. It was to a, get good it. It's a good feeling. a good feeling. It's a good, good. Everything's good. Didn't well, they? we weren't feeling great after the playoff. No, game, but, but in but general but about yes. the team and yes. the progress they've made, yes. and particularly the organization. Yes. yes. Now they're getting hot over uh, that's, something that they did, getting out to the media yeah, from someone within the organization. That's, yeah. that's going to happen forever. And here's why: in the old days, there were four guys that covered the NFL for a living. On TV. That was 4,000. Now there's 40,000. <laughs> yeah, right. We've got a local guy who's a student at Kent State yeah. who has news. broken a number of big stories around the Browns this year. Brad Stainbrook, shout out. It's wonderful job by Brad. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to some, porter, some reporters yesterday, and because this is now a topic, yeah. we were talking about ethics and journalism and, you know, how these stories get broke what you're obligated to tell a team before you break a story. Like, that was never in any of journalism classes. Like, you've got to inform your uh, your subject that you're covering when you're going to break a big story. That's a courtesy that oftentimes is afforded. Right. And oftentimes it's afforded because you want to give the organization a, re- a chance to respond. Well, and plus, like, now there's so much reporting of – of um, rumors, right? So, which is I don't and like. Now that. you get you don't know like what's real and what's not. But you know what? It's up yeah. to the consumers, us, right. to decide who is legitimate That's and who right. is not. That's right. If I throw a name out, Adam Schefter, if he puts it out there, I believe it. You know, if right. th- there are certain people that if we hear they're reporting it, we know it is true. They've done that through hustle, hard work, and a decades of of a career He's, of being right. That's I still don't know game. what he was thinking with that Condoleezza Rice story. I don't remember that one. Remember? On the, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't either. He's made one other misstep that, that, that right. I'll never forget. Yeah. That, that, um, that was the crazy. Jason Pierre Paul thing. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. With the well, well the John, fingers. was it, I think it was John Morosi recently had the misstep with Shohei Otani. Remember? Yes, that he was said, bad. And I like John Morosi. He was going to Toronto, right? Well, yeah, he said he's on his on a flight to Toronto, yeah, and he wasn't on a flight and boy, to Toronto. Boy, did he send shockwaves! And he apologized, and that's, you know we screw up sometimes. But, uh, but, bull. So, in yeah. talking to all these newsbreakers, yeah. and not just football, baseball as well, yeah. I really have no experience with the NBA guys. Although I worked with Woj, I, I know yeah. them. I've never really had in-depth conversations about the machinations of their industry. Sure. I've had plenty of conversations with people that do this in the business of baseball and football. And here's what I can tell you. They live in fear, and they all have recurring nightmares yeah. that they lose a scoop on a major story, and they're called from their boss and say, how did you not have this? So what that leads to right. is the competition guys in that space. I would not for a million years, I wouldn't do what Adam Schefter does. The man, his life is right here. That's right. And my, the objective of me, how I want to live my life, I want to live less here. Don't and they, more here. Don't they, and yeah, Adam is in his many uh, phones. Yeah. And they live in fear. And what that does, Bull, to yeah. your point, 
it increases the pressure and they're more likely to hit send before they're, they're sure. absolutely sure because they want to be first. Yeah. I don't care if you're first. Just be right. These up, basketball dudes like uh, Woj, don't Shots. they have like a, a journalistic uh, pyramid scheme? Like where they get smaller dudes, they'd be like, yeah. Let, let, oh, there's some of that stuff. Yeah, they have people that. working for them. And of then course. they'd be like, yeah, go find that information. Give it to me. And it's of my course. Which I think is, of course. I don't like that. It's, like, you know what? Yeah. It's, be, it's They're an industry, you know? And what is yeah. an industry? An industry isn't one person. An industry, you have people that work under. Now, yeah. Woj is never putting anything out there that he isn't completely sure is truthful. So, now, if you're one of his underlings... <laughs> and you give him something that he runs with and it's wrong, underlings you're not funny. one of you're his gone. underlings anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what's You'll interesting about that industry. field is that it, even though football is the biggest sport, baseball really has the most news breakers for whatever reason. I yeah, feel like with football, right. it's, almost, it's, it's, it's almost always either Schefter, Rappaport, or lately Joe Cena. I mean, yeah. who and, else breaks news? And then, there's but, a couple of guys that do. Baseball Peter King like used to be big. Right, he doesn't break any news Not anymore. anymore. Not anymore. Florio doesn't break news. They, Mortensen doesn't break they news anymore. Mortensen, they made breaks Mortensen news every give the, the stimulus package to your boy Schefter. Who? who? Yeah. Mike, yeah, we're going to come on together. Diana Rossini breaks news every once in a while. Yeah, once Here in a while. Yeah, yeah, she yeah, does. Yeah. She's got, she's got every, nice sources. They yeah. got a couple. Um, uh, in general, you're right. I think you're right, Bull. I think the baseball community, and it might be yeah. due to the fact that uh, beat writer, you know, the individual beat writers that get cemented in with the team, baseball right. players they, move more frequently than football players right. do. Right. And perhaps now that if they had five sources with the Yankees, for the period of five years, and now one of them goes to the Dodgers, one of them goes to the Cubs. Right. It gives them sort of someone That's behind right. enemy you, lines in those cities. Baseball, it's not all the time. The big guys break a lot, most of the stories, but beat reporters do break stories in baseball. They do. We yeah. don't talk about it much because if it happens in another town, what do we care if the Brewers sign some crazy, guy? Crazy part is there is no beat reporter. Who's the Indians beat reporter for TV and radio? And Paul Hoynes well, for Cleveland.com. Well, done it forever. But Zach Meisel for The Athletic and Mandy Bell for MLB.com. But Listen. there's no radio stations that have beat reporters. No, no, no. no. Well, we've said over and over again, this is a Brownstown. Yeah. That's crazy. You have to have a daily Browns reporter. <laughs> it's, it has been – it was a tough adjustment because I was used to working in New York where baseball's so much bigger. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, baseball is, you yeah. know, first in my heart. And I love covering it on a daily basis and having those nuanced right, conversations right. that you and I can yeah. have. But mo our audience is really well, not. I used to come on, like when I was working in New York, because I was like the fill in guy, part time guy. I would often come on the weekends after we would, at the time, we, they had Met games on the station I was at. Now they carry yeah. the Yankees. But I would come on after a Met game and I would talk about the nuance of that game, the pitching changes and all these things. Sure. We just don't really do that. It doesn't, we it don't. Doesn't hit Unless today. it's a playoff game, you know. Right. Doesn't hit today may change with the Amazon deal, which we'll talk about in a oh, sec. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. Before we bring a DD on in about 10 minutes, I do want to bring something up. But real quick, a reminder that Behind the Glass is happening tonight. We're not exactly sure what time. Might be 5, might be 6, but there will be a Behind the Glass episode tonight. Not 6. Coming at you. Not 6. Don't do 6. I'm doing my – folks, I'm going to interrupt you and say I'm doing my Adam the Bull live tonight every Thursday, 6 p.m., Mike. So – do well, favor. Don't we're, do we're working around a couple different schedules, so yeah. it may be at the same time. We'll figure that out. Working around. Uh, sorry about that, Bull. But before we bring a DD on here, yeah, I want to ask you guys this question. We can bring this into a DD when she joins us. Looking in the next, let's call it the immediate future, three, four years down question. the road. 
Where do the Browns stack up against the other three teams in the AFC North? We know this is the first division in the history of football to have all four teams finish over 500. They all have quarterbacks under contracts, or at least three of the four do, that you'd want to have on your team moving forward. So looking at the next three, four years, where do the Browns stack up against the rest of the AFC North? It is tough, Bull. I think this, this question is very hard. And I don't like my knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. Now I don't think they stack up. I, I think they still come in below Cincinnati and Baltimore. I agree. I have the Browns third. I have all four pretty close. Sure. Like, I don't think there's big As gaps. As they were this year. Yeah, I don't think there's big gaps between any of them. But ultimately, the Bengals and Ravens quarterback situations are much more steady. Now, Burroughs now had a couple of big injuries in his career. If he gets hurt again this year, well, maybe we're looking at it differently. For now, I don't put him in that injury-prone category yet, but he's one serious injury away from joining the, the injury-prone category, and then I'm going to look at him differently. Well, his, his wrist injury, was that yeah. a hit, or was that just like I, his I, leg? It just happened. No, nah, I think it was a hit. I okay. can't remember for sure, but because I'm pretty sure it was a hit. Remember, he showed up at the game, and he had a, 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 a Right. A but he played. Brace on he and was we're playing like, Where fine. Did that he had a bowling sleeve on that day. Yeah, yeah. Just, it just. I, so I don't know for sure. <laughs> I don't know that it's ever been officially confirmed. Yeah, I don't know. And it might have been like he tweaked it, and then it got worse with a hit. You know, who knows? Right, right. But you know, listen. If he misses a significant amount of time next year, I will have to look at him differently the following offseason. And that's fair. Right now, I'm not putting him in the injury prone category, and he's the best. He's been since he's been in the league the most reliable quarterback in this division. Obviously, Lamar has had a better year, but Lamar's been a little more up and down. So I, I would put now the rate. It, it's so hard to me between the Ravens and the Bengals because the Ravens are better defensively than the Bengals. I think the Bengals have better skill position talent, but I think the Ravens have closed the gap, and the Bengals could lose T. Higgins. Yeah. So, and because Lamar, and, and wait, do, uh, we kind of assume they're going to franchise him. I, I assume fan, they will, they but will I assume, but I don't, you know, I don't know that for sure. Right. But I, I think it's a pretty, pretty safe bet they will. Right. Uh, they don't really have anybody else. They could franchise DJ Reader, but he's old enough where I doubt they would do that. But um, so I am going to put the Ravens here and the Bengals right here. So one and uh, one. It's a. close, even yeah. though I still right now think Joe Burrow's better than Lamar Jackson. I think the Ravens are a team a little better than the Bengals, and then I put the Browns right here. I mean, it's that close. Yeah. I think the Browns' roster uh, on defense is is better than the – it's definitely better than the Bengals on defense. I think skill position-wise, the Bengals are, are a little better than the Browns. I think right now, Joe Burrow versus Deshaun Watson is too big a gap for me to put the Browns over the Bengals. Okay. So I put the Browns third and the Steelers fourth, but I think they're all close. Yeah. Like, if you said – I've been picking the Steelers to go over five under 500 for the last bunch of years. I'm not going to do that next year. Finally, right, I've no. learned my lesson. If you said, well, they might have Justin Fields in there next year, and then you yeah. could, that, then you can say this is a four hour race be, again. Yes, and, and you say, well, who's the team in the AFC North that's definitely going to be under 500 next year? I can't answer that. No, I don't think there's anybody. I would say definitely under 500. So I think it's really close. But right now, I'd have Ravens one, Bengals two, Browns three, Steelers four. Um. I'm going to ride with that same same joint. And, and I think the Browns and a lot of people may be like, well, what? Dude, we were, we we're obviously better than the Steelers and the Bengals. See, what, what we got to realize is that we we on a year-to-year ball game. And when you look at the consistent quarterback play, <clears throat> reason the Steelers, 
not doing what they need to do. No consistent quarterback play. Browns did have five different quarterbacks still made the playoffs. That's still not consistent quarterback play. You're not going to do that again next no, year. That's not that's not you. Can, that's not re- replicatable. Now, here's my here's the thing. And, and I believe this is why the Browns are in third. And, and this is beside the defense beside the, the uh, quarterback. The Browns have always and still have a problem with. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Scoring easy points. The Browns, everything they do is difficult. They refuse and have not. They need to go overboard when it comes to getting talent at the receiver position and the skill position talent. They've always said, when you say the Browns, you think of, oh, we could get by with that. We think of, oh, we can make a move here, or this guy isn't that bad, or this this quarterback can make that guy better. Our but wide receiver room isn't that bad. That bad. When you look at these other teams, you got Lamar Jackson. You got to cover Lamar Jackson, and they go get her flowers, right? He, he got a thousand yards in first year. You got lucky because what's the name? What's his name? Mark uh, Andrews got hurt. Yeah, but right? Lively came out of the weed. Live, yeah. Lively comes out of the, out of the place. You already know what the Bengals have, right? Well, gonna... and, and and also like, and he's a free agent, Tyler Boyd. I don't, I think he's going to be gone. But Tyler Boyd is better than any second Browns receiver, without question. And he's been their third guy for the, the last for four the last years. Year, few years. So so my thought, Joe Mixon, he's still a good back. You saw what Joe Mixon did to our JVs. <laughs> like, so if you got Deshaun Watson, we cannot have this mindset where we're expecting Deshaun Watson to make everybody better when all these other teams, especially the Dolphins or the Chiefs, and they're finding guys and getting guys open and you got receivers. We can't expect Deshaun Watson to come in here and talk about making Elijah Moore and David Bell better. They got to overdo it. They have to, oh, like, not just make it even. Like have, Philly defensive line yes, overdo it. Overdo it. You need to You need to say, yeah, we wouldn't have got one receiver. We got to get another one. Because you don't know what Deshaun's going to be. You don't know what Nick Chubb is going to be. And if you go into next year with the expectations that Deshaun Watson can carry a team, because we keep waiting for that. We keep waiting for, let's put, let's make Deshaun make everybody better. For one time, go get a bonafide receiver that people are scared of because there's other teams around the league that got two or three of them and they didn't make the playoffs. So the Browns need to overdo it. Yeah, I agree with that. I think we're all in agreement. Um, I think to your point, what the Browns did this year is the most unrepeatable path to a playoff spot that perhaps I've ever seen. I've never seen a team do that with five different quarterbacks. Now go repeat that. It's highly unlikely. Um, We don't know what our best player on offense is going to be coming back. We don't know what our most important player on offense is going to be coming back. The Bengals and the Ravens have answered those questions. The Ravens reload. 
Ohio State always used to say, we don't rebuild, we reload. That's what the Ravens do. The rate, you know, Andrews goes down. Oh, they've got a weakness. Lively becomes a star. Uh, Zay Flowers, out of the weeds, becomes, I mean, he was good coming in. We knew he was going to be good. No one knew he was going to be that good. Leading Here's something good. that we haven't seen yet from the Baltimore Ravens. How are they going to use Cook? Is he going to be an X factor? Does he have gas in the tank? So I think that Baltimore, and if you ask me in three weeks, I'll have a much more definitive answer. If the Baltimore Ravens flame out again in the playoffs, then it is, for me, clearly the Cincinnati Bengals. Clearly. They've got the the three amigos at wide receiver, and assuming that Joe Burrow comes back and is not injury prone like we're starting to think he might be, if he can stay healthy, they've got the three receivers. I think the Bengals are one, the Ravens below them, the Browns, and then the Steelers. But to your point, just as it was the case this year, they all three, or all four, may be separated by three games. Yep. And all above 500. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. crazy, and no one knows this division better than Aditi Kinkabwala, who will bring in after a quick word from FanDuel. The NFL season may have wrapped up, but there's still time to get in on the action with some playoff bets using FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed just by placing a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose, for brand new customers. And the best part about FanDuel is that it's so easy to use. You can find live same-game parlays and bets in the Explorer tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best and easiest way to find popular parlays and so much more. So make sure you visit FanDuel.com slash UCSS to make your first better layup. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL, an official partner of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 